The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. Hi, my name is Roderick Mason. I'm the owner of Holistic Coaching Solutions, and I am on the Startup Secrets podcast. Please watch. We discuss secrets about starting up your company. Um, we also have very interesting conversation and information on things you should know or things you'd want to know uh, before you start up your company. So please give a listen and uh, hope to see you soon. So my very special guest today is Rod- Roderick Mason, who's a holistic um, coach. So welcome, Roderick, to the show. Thank you, John. Great to be here, and thank you so much for having me. Cool. So, um, so we like to um, we like to learn some stuff on the show today. So um, we're going to ask you some deep questions. Um, so I guess the first question is, what were you? What was your previous life? Because I mean, obviously, most entrepreneurs used to do something, um, and now they do this, and they've kind of had this epiphany along the way. It's like, oh, I've, I've changed. I mean, I just finished an interview with Rocky who had worked really hard all his life and then decided to sort of retire and start a business. But his focus is very different to what it used to be when he's working like 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And so, you know, so how did you get to be a holistic coach? Like what was the journey there? Uh, before getting uh, becoming an entrepreneur, I worked probably 20, what was it, 20, 25 years in sales. So I worked various sales positions, um, did that, uh, and and the, the pivotal point was working for companies that kept going out of business. They 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 paid great while you were working, but in, inevitably they all went out of business. So I, I worked for I want to say about two or three companies. You get you come in, they're doing great. One company checks start bouncing, writing was on the wall. <laughs> you go to another company. Everything is great, and then you know suddenly they figure out it, it's just not working. So lack of control and, at the end of the day. I mean, I, I used to I used to rent houses when I was I mean I th- moved like thirteen times in thirteen years when I was younger, and and basically what drove me crazy was landlords, and, yeah. I, and and business owners are kind of the same kind of thing. You know, at the end of the day, like you've got no control over it, so you almost like you you're on that train, but you don't know where you're on that train, right? <laughs> Well, you see it, yeah, and you and you're trying to help, and 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 I think this is where my entrepreneur, because some of the times you saw the writing on a wall, you saw what they were doing wrong, mm. and you're going, well, if you would only do this, and 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 maybe once or twice I spoke up and and thought, well, have you considered this? Because you you realize things aren't working, you know. Uh, they made me privy to, I had uh, access to uh, basically our quarterlies and 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 what the the monthly day-to-day operation costs and and what the target number should be um when they realized they weren't hitting it and you know 
they immediately, if you're sales, they immediately start blaming you. You're not bringing in enough sales. Well, you aren't putting me in a position to make the sales that, that, that would put this company over the top. Mm. And, and so, mm. and that's yeah. interesting too. I mean, I think being involved in businesses that fail are a good educational thing <laughs> down the track, right? So I think, um, I mean, I used, to, I used to do accounting software like years in a previous life and, and basically we implemented like five, six, seven hundred accounting systems. And when you delved into a business and you really looked at it and you thought, gee, I could change your business, but the owner's not listening. And so he's either doesn't want to listen or he got so far deep into the hole that it doesn't matter anymore. Like at some point it becomes irrecoverable and he's got himself in that hole and he can't dig himself out of it. And he doesn't, isn't willing to make the hard decisions. So they're just going to let the whole thing fall apart around them rather than, you know, fiddle while Rome burns basically, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that happens one particular situation, the owner, um, I worked at a, a very high-end audio store, and it was basically his toy store. So, okay. and, and if you could imagine, bought himself a, a store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he did. But it 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 for lack of a better word, it was almost like a Ponzi scheme because what would happen is we I'd bring in these huge sales. He would take instead of ordering the customers merchandise he would go order something for himself wait for another customer to come in give oh, them, no. okay. and then fulfill that order so yeah it, it 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 kind of became a mess yeah i mean sooner or later you get caught out i mean there was a there was a case in australia just recently where this this um ponzi scheme with 250 million dollars and and had been going for 16 years and, oh, wow. and actually what he was doing was essentially taking new investor money and he'd paid everybody on time for their returns, like 15% returns. He's right. taking the money from the money that he got from new investors to pay the existing investors' interest. So they all thought it was cool because they were getting paid. So they thought their investment was safe. And when it got to the end, there was like $15 million when they finally got reported to ATSIC and starts to get investigated. There's no money left because he's been giving it all back. Yeah. And and that's that's a business in some respects, right? The money comes in, the money goes out, and and it doesn't necessarily stick. (laughs) Um, We're actually talking about that in the previous episode, actually, about, you know, that revenue is vanity, right? It Um, it really is. And in his case, yeah, we we certainly see that. (laughs) That was quite an interesting saying. So... So holistically, and I think we spoke of before, is that you, you, your focus is non-tech, right? So talk, your, your focus is the person, right? Holistically, the, the person in the business. The businesses, yes. Doing. So what, how does that look like in, in, in a normal circumstance, and particularly with a small entrepreneur that's kind of starting up? You know, what's that look like? Maybe they, maybe they hire a couple of people, remote people, for example. Well, since I my background has been retail, uh, a lot of in, in retail, what I do is, is help them, especially now, um, as, as more retail establishments try and bring employees back, we do mock scenarios so that they can get comfortable with the situation. Um, we also try and help them not get in their own way, get out of your way, you know, that, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, too often, people get stuck in their head that, there's only one way to do something. And so we try to show them that there are multiple ways. And as you said before, don't be afraid to pivot. And 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 what you quickly learn with so many entrepreneurs, uh, particularly startups, is that coming up with a business plan is great, 
and you should definitely have one, but you should not be afraid to deviate if that plan fails to, to mm. produce the, the, the results you want. Mm. The, the other thing we tell them is stop taking advice from people who haven't been down the path you're headed. Yep. You know, if, if, if well-meaning friends, right? <laughs> yeah. And family sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes your, your, your biggest critics are just <laughs> yeah, I was, I was in, saying in the bloodline. Your own town. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so we, we try and talk to them about that. Um, we also talk about, especially uh, if you're bringing on employees, be slow to hire and quick to fire. Mm. Um, because too often, if a business ramps up really quick, people become desperate and they'll just bring in any body to fill a seat. I mean, literally just a body to fill a seat. Yeah. And when, when that isn't working out, they feel, well, you know, I've got someone, I don't want to go through the process of interviewing again. Don't be afraid of that. You, you've got to set aside that time. If you're going to build the right team, if you're going to have a successful business, building that team is crucial and having that wrong person on the team that could potentially tank the business or cause a, a lot of problems that you're just not uh, equipped to handle could mm. be devastating to a business. So we, we talk to them about, again, slow to hire, quick to fire. Mm. I mean, it, it, it sounds somewhat cruel, but it, it's for the best. You know, when you get the right employee, it, it's going to create the best culture. And you want that employee who's, who, who's excited to come to work, who loves what they do, and they will brag on the company. So. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had, you know, I think it almost looks like a cancer in your business. Like you get one person who starts being negative and starts drilling them in what's to prove a point, they're super dangerous. I mean, we, because I could write a book about all the things that happened when I was running my sage business. But um, what we didn't realize at one point is we hired support people and turns out that the, the couple of people in support were actually cultures that clashed a lot. And because Australia's got nearly 200 different or over 200 cultures or nationalities represented here. Right. And so we didn't even know that we'd actually put together two cultures that actually had been at war with each other essentially for centuries wow. in, in other countries. And, yeah. and even though they were young, they were still young, they had that fallback of, you know, what, you know, this person isn't what we, you know, we like. And they'd having these fights and these things were going on. And it took us a while to figure this out. And we either had to separate them or fire someone, but then you've got to make a decision about, well, who's at fault here, right? Who's causing the most amount of trouble? And then we actually had monitored chats between a couple of staff that were sisters and the stuff they were saying, like, it's like, this is, they had to go. Like we, but we couldn't say that we saw that stuff because right. that was against, it's against the law to read those messages, but they were inside our own business on our own messaging solutions. So it wasn't like they were external. But we had to get rid of them because our reality was they were causing massive problems in the business. They were going to tank that business. And being mindful of that and being aware of what's going on, we caught that fairly early because my, you know, I, women are far more sensitive to this stuff. They pick stuff up, you know, at a gut feeling level that guys tend to just vamp over the top of, right? They just, just exhaust you, be right. They'll figure it out. But women pick it up. And I had two female managers and they were very sensitive to it. They'd pick up things and go, I don't feel this is right. And I think that's the thing with with all of this, like you say, faster, higher, higher, slow to you know, to uh, higher and faster, get rid of them. I think once you get that gut feeling, you've got a problem. You've got to be, you've got to make sure you take some action. I mean, I, 
we had a situation where we had like seven consulting staff and I said, you guys need to follow these processes and these rules. If you don't follow these rules, we're not going to make any money. And they just kept on asking for more and more money and they just didn't do what they were told. And I said, if you don't do what I told, I will fire you. Anyway, one day I lined seven of them up in a row and fired them all at once, one after oh, wow. time. Because Good that was the you. end of it. Because the problem was, because the cancer got into that scenario, that none of these staff were ever going to change, right? Because everybody else had got in their ears and I wasn't able to reinvent that thing. So we just said, look, we're just going to reset this thing and, and, and get rid of the staff that actually, because they're not making any money, and ultimately, you know, they're not going to pay any attention. So it was almost like I had to take massive action there and almost shut down a division rather than sort of keep a couple people on and limp along and hope for the best because I could see that was never going to work. Yeah, ironically, what's really weird, and people will experience this and maybe some other people watching the podcast will be able to chime in, the strange thing is toxic employees will stay through anything. The good ones are the ones who will bail because the environment's simply too toxic. And, and then what ends up happening is when you hire new people, they take their cues from the toxic people and then it's a never ending cycle. Mm. So you've got to be quick to, to, to nip it in the bud, recognize it and move on and, and, and don't be afraid. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. So this whole, so is your clients typically like um, where, the, where the employees are face to face in a in a work environment, or are they are they remote workers? Like, what's your typical? Lately, it's it's been more retail. Typically, I'd gotten more uh, uh, not for profit. Um, it, it it hasn't been B two C. It's mm-hmm. it's it's been B two B or or, um, or or people who who perform services for you know behind the scenes for other companies. Um, now, yeah, there, there seems to be a huge one. Uh, the, one of the questions we're being asked is um, a lot of people, and I'm hoping uh, none of your viewers are, are experiencing this, but one big problem is employees, employers are going through hiring new employees. And, and now that things are opening back up, they're hiring uh, employee, potential employees are making the appointments, they're filling out all the paperwork. And then when the interview comes along, they bail or they ghost the interview. They're mm. not showing up. Mm. The other issue is that one particular client um, interviewed 65 people and only six passed the background and drug test. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm telling some of them because depending on what state they're in, at least here in the United States, mm. you may have to reconsider that drug test thing because with marijuana becoming legal in, in, mm. in a lot of American states, that may be go back to the company that performs your drug testing and, and tell them, look, look, that's legal here. So you you may have to reconsider. And then you just simply have to pay attention because if that person's toxic or that person's uh, just not a good fit for the company, then go ahead and fire them. But at, at, at this point, um, I think companies are going to, have, at least here in America, are going to have to reconsider uh, the direct testing policies. Um, 
Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's the same with Olympics, you know, that, that, that some of the tests of this, some of these drugs come up aren't really that lethal or, or you know, like they're, they're not really the sort of drugs you expect. So, I mean, obviously they're testing for certain things. But like you said, like marijuana is, is legal in California, right? So basically... Um, it's, it, I heard that the banks, the, the biggest problem with marijuana is is those businesses, the banks won't let them bank the money. And so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, because it's not federally, uh, mm. it's, it's not legal federally and the banks are federally insured. Mm. The, the banks can't take the money. So, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so a problem. It creates a whole new ball game of problems. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I know in Australia there's a certain level of drug testing. I've seen my wife works for a business that's actually, they, they routinely do drug tests. And it's like, well, you know, you've got to look at a situation where, you know, you're suddenly controlling people's lives a lot as well in terms of what they, you know, what they do out of, out of business. But then those drugs could be affecting your business as a risk level. So it's a very fine line between, you know, in that scenario, I think, um, you know, a method, you know, moral and ethical scenario. If they're on a really, you know, if they're, they're taking really serious drugs and you don't want them in your business, right? Because they're going to cause some, a lot of problems. Yeah, there's, there's a huge difference between someone who's taking, you know, um, a CBD for to help them sleep at night or, or you know, for pain relief and, and you know, the heroin addict showing up to work every day. Yeah, and, and they're very there. good at covering up. So at the yeah. end of the day, it's <laughs> the situation. So, so where do you get your customers right now? What's your what's your ideal customer, and where do you, where do you intend to get them from? Um, yeah, my ideal avatar would would, would just be a, a corporation that is looking to improve its culture, uh, looking to uh, put itself out there in terms of you know a, a top company to come and work for. Um, most of them are coming right now um, through through referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some some job uh, boards or message boards that that people are asking questions, and and you go in and you know you give them just a little bit of of, of what you would do in a particular situation, and then as they become intrigued as to how you would solve that situation, um, that's how I'm landing some. So, right. um, but a, a bulk of them are, are through referrals, and and as we began to solve more of the retail problems, more retail stores, and they, they tend to they tend to run in the same circles. So yeah, it's, yeah. Birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's, it's been quite yeah. productive. Yeah, and 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 most of those kind of you know scenarios, they they're very close knit. Like there's not as many as you think there are in certain industries. So you end up in a situation where everybody knows everybody. Um, yeah. and you don't necessarily, you know, have to break through that. And so one of the things that there's interesting with, so where do you see your going, self going? And then like, this is only fairly new business now. Like how, how long you've been doing this? Uh, this has been since 2019. Okay. I owned. So. Yeah. So, uh, this I'm right now, I, I see there's, there's a lot of potential there because companies, um, people are seeing through the veil of some companies. And, mm-hmm. and so the, as a veil gets pulled back and companies are being exposed for um, bad corporate culture, um, we had one professional sports team here just recently uh, were court mandated for uh, new training and diversity inclusion and uh, equity training because the, the, the environment was so toxic um, there was bullying, there was sexual harassment. There were all kinds of things that were going wrong in the company um, for this. Well, the back office, I should say, for this particular sports team. And so 
that type of thing, I think, is going to only get worse as more people start to speak out about the corporate culture of the teams um, or just large corporations in general. When you're talking about these multi-billion dollar companies, I, I think you'll see more of it. Mm. And, and you'd ask the question why, you know, I think a lot of it comes from the top down at the end of the day. Like it's, it seems like, it, as you said, someone comes into the business and they see a toxic environment, they think that's normal. So they all start copying each other. And, and you know, I remember when I started working in the bank, I was, I was only 15. And this woman that was, was essentially my supervisor had been there a long, long time. And she was toxic. Like she was very um, negative, very nasty, almost like I was taking her job away from her. Um, she'd do everything possible, throw me under the bus at every opportunity. Um, and I'm thinking, how can I get, like, this is my first job. I'm only like 15, 16. She's like 26 or something. So she's old. Right? <laughs> my son says, now he's 21, they're old. And it's like, no, you're not. But anyway, and I'm thinking to myself, and this is a very small working environment. There's a manager, there's a teller, there's a, there's a, uh, a like a general manager kind of thing. And me, I'm the trainee. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get through this? I'm gonna like I'm gonna end up killing her. <laughs> like, you know, so she's she's nasty, right? She would actually deliberately do stuff that, that actually get me into trouble. Yeah, and I'm, and I was like, and this isn't bad, right? <clears throat> so what I decided to do was she had a problem because she had just had a baby, she's just come back, and she had a problem back in the days of VHS videos. She had a problem with the VHS player, player and I was a bit techie. So I go, I'll help you. I'll fix that for you, right? I'll come around. I'll fix it for you. So I come around and I, I push the lid in, like the old VHS players where you have the little lip. Nobody knows yeah. about this anymore. Like it's like explaining <laughs> something like, what's a telephone, right? Anyways, I push it in and I pull my finger and I pull out a spoon. And so what had happened was the the baby had managed to stick a spoon. Well, they always do this spoons, yeah. plates, all sorts of interesting things used to land in there. Right? Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, this is a slot. I'll stick stuff into. It's like, not, like let me slot. see what I can find to stick in here. Anyway, so. It, beautiful player works right from that day forward i was the best thing in the world like the whole attitude changed and the entire working environment changed out of one thing because i went and helped her and you and my mum said to me at the time why are you helping this person because you know she's so nasty to you and it's like i want to try open you know see if i can open communication and and try you know try to actually get into her head a little bit and and sort of make some friends friendship with her and in the end it worked but, and I still to this day don't know why she was like that. Um, I think she was just like that as default person, <laughs> default personality. I don't know. Um, but you I know. think you, you hit it. She, she saw you as a threat. And, and mm. too often people do see the new employee as a threat. But especially if, if they think the employee doesn't line up with their way of thinking. Mm. And, and that's another thing we try and tell people, you know, uh, think outside of the box when you're hiring. Um, you, you don't have to have all like-minded individuals on, on, on the same team. Mm. There, there's a lot of, uh, advantage to having people with diverse thought and, yes. and, and different ways of seeing things mm. because the way you would choose to solve a problem, someone may see a potential hazard in, in that process and, and that could be beneficial. So that's just another thing we try and add to the table. One of the things we used to do when we had like 23 staff or more, when someone went through the interview process and people who didn't ask about the money were the ones that got to the end of the interviews. So what would happen is they'd come in, we'd do the interviews with them, and then we'd ask them to come in for half a day to sit with our existing staff and go around the business and get to know people. 
And what they didn't really know was that the staff were voting on whether they liked them or not. So we actually had them work through the whole thing and they'd sit in the job they might be doing and talk to the person they're dealing with and then they'd take them around the business and then at the end of it, we'd go back over the staff after they'd gone. So what do you think of that person? Do you like them or didn't you like them? And, and some people go, look, oh, they're bad news. Some of the stuff that they said to me while I was sitting with them was really bad. And, wow. and so that was a very interesting way of kind of getting the staff involved because when someone was hired on, it's almost like they voted them onto the island. Yeah. And it wasn't just one staff member. There had to be several staff members before we would even look at it. And, and then they'd hire them. And then at the end of the conversation, like you're hired, they go, well, by the way, how much money am I getting? <laughs> and, and that was interesting because what it meant was they didn't start with the money. They started with the reason they wanted to work there. Right? right. They really wanted to work there. And so that way it was a way of stopping that kind of scenario where you get into the negotiation thing. So we'd say, look, we'd start you at a low salary. If you prove yourself, we'll increase your wages. And they were fine with that, and they'd start. And I always found if they if they really objected to the wages, they'd leave you because of the wages. That you know, they'd start with it, they'd leave. Yeah, and, and I think that's why you know I, some companies do credit checks. I, I think that's a little seedy, mm. but I, I think they're trying to figure out: Are you just coming on because you're you got gotten in over your head with debt, mm. and you're gonna mm. and you're gonna dig yourself partially out of debt, and then as soon as a, be- a better opportunity comes along, you're gonna yeah. bail ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the so it's a lot of a lot of thought process. And as you said, like I think hiring too fast um, is is a dangerous thing because what happens is you end up with a lot of people that should have never been there because you didn't put that thought process through it. Um, and I think the the early hires, the hard ones, like what mm-hmm. we said, it was interesting. Actually, one of my clients said to me the other day, "Oh, I spoke to I was in this coffee shop, and I spoke to this SEO guy that wants to work for me." Right. And it's like, okay, so he's got all his skills. And I go, yes, he's got some skills, I said, but you don't have any employees right now. And so you're going to hire someone to do stuff we're actually doing for you anyway. But at the end of the day, you're hiring someone that you're going to have to manage. Did you think about that? And it's like, no. I said, and you're going to have to pay them and you have to do all that work we're doing for you um, as part of what we do. I said, you should hire a general manager. Like someone who actually manages your business first. And this was very interesting. I sort of like thought that was an interesting way of running a business because most entrepreneurs will hire the worker that's going to do all the work and right. then lump all the work they don't want to do on them. Right. And then they throw it back and go, oh, I can't understand this and I don't know how to do this. And so oh, I'll do it myself then. And you end up thinking, hang on a minute, I just got conned here because I'm doing all the work. I'm working, you know, really hard to pay these yeah. wages. The person doesn't want to do the job. Um, and it's like now you've got them and you're stuck with them because now they're in a business scenario where you can't get rid of them because it's your only employee. Yeah. And, and it's like the best advice I got was hire a general manager um, and obviously you've got to find a way to help make money, but that general manager then hires everybody else. That general manager then manages everyone else um, as opposed to, and they hire them, they fire them. That's what we used to have in our business when we had a couple of managers. If right. you hired them, you fired them. Yeah, that's a good one. I I, I think I tell some of the, the the entrepreneurs, you know, make sure you're interacting with them too, because um, what I've seen is is managers will bring on before you know it, you've got a slew of family. <laughs> yeah, the old family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I, I tend to want to. There's some some serious benefit to having that general manager and having them be responsible and giving them the autonomy to hire and fire and making sure that they're responsible while doing that. I think you know uh, you, you just have to be careful. 
Yeah, absolutely. So where do you see yourself? Like, so you're about a five-year-old business-ish, I guess, if the maths are right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, with this part of it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just over three years. But um, what I see is uh, in the next few years being brought on for a, a, a various uh, large corporate uh, clients. And, and that's what I'd like to do. Um, I would really like to see companies improve again, the corporate culture. I, I think, you know, uh, when you, when you're seeing uh, companies skirt so many, uh, loopholes, tax loopholes and, and, and then still pay people, you know, mm. poverty wages, and, and, and then wonder why, you know, the turnover so high or, or, or why your company, you know, is, is on a list for one of the worst companies to work for. Um, it can sustain itself if it's big enough, obviously, mm. but wouldn't you rather have a, a company that people love to come in and work for? And, and so some companies you'll never get to, I'm not worried about that. Um, <laughs> But probably better you know, off without them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so some of them are intentionally toxic because they, you know, they follow that John D. Rockefeller. They, I don't want thinkers. I just want workers. Get in here and work. Yeah, um, industrialization, I guess. Yeah. So, but I would in, in in the next five years, I would love to have an assortment of you know large um, corporate clients that find their the value in employees and, and and want to want to have that 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 corporate culture that that draws new employees in the, so that they can retain their top talent and continue to acquire top talent mm. so it's interesting um because I, I hear that a lot and i do this too that you get a lot of business from client referral and and the the danger of client referral is you can't control it in theory so what's happening is you know, I'll wake up in the morning and get an email saying this client's just referred me to someone else, you should talk to them. And, and typically that's a fairly easy sale process because they're already almost being vouched for. So it's a lot easier to kind of get in there. Yeah. And and I went to a, a, a referral business um, guy that runs this, his whole business is on how to do get referrals. Right. And one of the things that was very interesting there was that he hasn't used the customers as his referrals. He actually gets other people that are associated with those clients to be his referrals and he trains them on his business and rewards them accordingly. So, because the biggest problem is if you go to a business owner or, you know, like you go to a client and say, hey, tell you what, if you give me another client, I'll give you money or I'll do this, whatever. And it feels, yeah. right, it feels like, oh, no, I'm, I'm sort of like trying because if they don't refer me, then they're not happy. So, I'm asking them, I'm trying to force this thing to actually get them to refer me. And then that could actually impact on your business. Sometimes I've, I've seen situations where you do that and they go, they run away, they stop dealing with you because they've got a bad taste in their mouth now because it sounds like you're desperate. Yeah, yeah. you got to be careful on how you you, you solicit those referrals. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we tell clients uh, over-deliver and under-promise. Yeah. Because too often what happens is, yeah, you, you promise the world to your client for the referral or oh, you get as an atlas that was usually as to say an atlas <laughs> yeah or if you're a new startup you're, you're so desperate for that if especially if you work in a you know a, a business that's you know you work under contract for, mm. for people you know you'll you'll always over promise oh yeah i can do that and, and then you're going home on youtube trying to figure out how how to make whatever it is happen mm. um mm. 
So I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that's that's a danger is that you know if someone's expect it's expectations. I think expectations is is the killer of almost anything. <laughs> With yeah. a job expectations, someone comes along and got these high expectations because they were promised all these things that never eventuated um, and never yeah. was going to eventuate, so essentially got lied to. Um, yeah, well, you got to manage that. Yeah, well, you promise this client this massive change that, and sometimes it, like little promises are actually better than big promises. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll get there with this and that, and that will actually perhaps make a bigger difference. Exactly. And so it was kind of interesting with the whole referral thing, but it was like you would go to your potential people that were likely to see like an accountant for example might be dealing with a business so for us we actually went after our accountants so we used to talk to all the accountants in the business and and tell them about the accounting software sold because they would then refer their client and we had one accountant that gave us like I don't know 20 30 customers over a period of time and never asked for a single cent because his wow. his motivation was if I can get my customers working better and, and they, their financials they give to me are better, so they're all the same, I win. Make my job easier. Right? <laughs> make his job easier, yeah, why not? Yeah, make his job easier. So sometimes it doesn't have to be money that you give them. Sometimes it's just the, the process is rewarding for them. And, and But looking for the people that are actually around that customer rather than the actual customer. And then he'd have training with them as well, like he'd have to talk to them and train them up. It was almost like a you know, commission-only salespeople. And so I think there's a danger, and, and I've seen that myself too, with referrals, is that you get lazy because you get these referrals. You don't market, and then what yeah. happens is the referrals dry up because oftentimes it's only that window of opportunity with referrals typically, like they're usually in the early days when they're yeah. quite happy. Once they're inside the business, they almost doesn't seem as good, so they don't refer you as often. And so I found that that early kind of relationship was where the referral was. but. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's like it's it's a it's a great way to get business. It's a nice way to get business, but without a system or without a, a strategy around it, or another alternative like another pillar of marketing, you can be quite risky because your referrals can dry up suddenly, and then you go, "Okay, I'm going to learn to market now." <laughs> right, that's what happened to me. I was actually running an IT business that actually uh, we were getting 100 leads a week, and I had to do nothing, and then they went broke, and that was wow. it. I then had to learn how to market overnight because no customers <laughs> coming in the door anymore. <laughs> and I had to and, do nothing that, about those customers. They were cheap as. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that's another thing we, we go over. I mean, I think there's one of two things that can happen in a, in a startup and, and that's, you know, you hit the ground and you just take off like a rocket hmm. or you're trying to gain traction. And for those who take off like a rocket, we tell them, you know, things are great, but you, you know, look to the future. And, and like you said, you, you've got to be looking for those other streams of, of bringing clients in or, or however, you, whatever your business does, you've got to be looking for that next client that, you know, those, those new sales um, and, and, and not just rely on the fact that it'll continue that way. You know, you've got very few businesses that can, can continue that momentum uh, unassisted. Mm, yeah, it's almost like, oh, you now got luck coming into the game, <laughs> like pure undated luck. Yeah. I guess in some respects to me, like taking a client on is like hiring an employee. Um, it is. And and we have, I have some scenarios where we don't take clients on because they can't follow instructions. <laughs> right? It's like, I want you to do stuff. If I can't get you to do stuff early on, and this is kind of my litmus test a lot of times, is if I can't get them to book an appointment, show up on time and do some little things... I will never get them to do the big things. So yeah. save myself some pain and suffering. Don't take them on as a client in the first place. 
I mean, I had a client there. I tried to fire a couple of months ago, and he wouldn't leave. <laughs> it's like, it like, I'm going to charge you more money. He's like, I don't care. I'll pay. I'm like, I don't want to pay. I want you to. I said, you. <laughs> I want you gone. You're fired, right? <laughs> and he still won't leave me. I've still got him. <laughs> well, hopefully, you can. Can can educate him somewhat so that uh, well yeah um, unfortunately it's a short term project so hopefully he can um, we can just so we'll do the best we can in the circumstances but it, it, it to me it's like if you if you pay someone you pay to pay attention and I think if you're not charging enough money which I thought if I increase my price it worked because he paid attention yeah right and then that has that conversation and then he asks himself can I afford it and he's doing a good job anyway I want him to finish it. And so that, it was brilliant. a case of grab for more money, but I just said, dude, the amount of work you want to keep changing things here, it's going to cost too much. It's not effective. It's not worthwhile. You're wasting money. You just, you'd be better off doing it just a different way and saving some money. I don't want to take your money because it was, it was just, it was going to be too much work. And he goes, no, no, I want you to do it. It's like, well, okay, um, but just so you know that. And so I, we threw in some extra valuable stuff, like a three and a half thousand dollars worth of extra stuff, um, okay. because I felt like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you're not getting value for that. Um, so we actually gave them a, we, we have run bestseller campaigns and so we gave them a bestseller campaign because we felt that that was um, you know at least an ad value they came out with um, and yeah so I think sometimes you got to look at that and you really are employees when you're hiring and you're hiring customers I reckon and like employees sometimes you have to know when to just say you know we'll pass mm. you know um, this 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 may not be a good fit and I think going in saying well, well we're going to assess whether this is a good fit for both of us Yes, I, I realize that you are hiring me, but this has to be a good fit for both of us. Mm. And, and and firing too. I mean, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you got to prepare to fire a client too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But my attempts to fire clients, first client I've ever fired, that wouldn't leave. Right? Like normally, when you fire clients, they've they've had enough of you. That's it. But this one wouldn't leave it. So I think at the end of the day, obviously, he was happy with what we were doing. It's just like um, he didn't know. Like and that's an interesting thing too. I think. Just because a staff member is is doing something wrong doesn't mean they don't that they know they're doing it wrong, and no one's drawing it to their attention. So what's happening is that they're just doing it without realizing it. Um, they're not aware of it, and a lot of people aren't self-aware necessarily about what they're doing around them. Very true. And and to that point, I, I think another important part, point for um, startups is. You know, make sure you're you you've got someone properly. If you're not. Uh, training them, make sure you've got someone who's properly training them. And and I tell clients too, I continually recommend digital employee mm. handbooks mm. because they can be updated much easier than print. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and every learning scenario should go into that handbook mm. so that you know what to avoid and make sure that they're giving you that e-signature and, 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 and you're protecting yourself at the same time. We used to have an old saying that we used to have, like, if, if you train them, what if you train them and, and uh, so what if you didn't train them and they stayed, <laughs> right? No, um, and it's like, well, hang on a minute, that kind of reverses it because if you train them and they, and they, and they leave, so I well, train them, they leave, you know, that's what I'll train yeah. them up and they'll leave me. So what if you train, if you don't train them and they stay, <laughs> what sort of damage are they going to do with no training? <laughs> well, hopefully you, you, you'd find out just before they have a chance. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's certainly always a possibility because you, 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 there are those people who are just taking a job just to tie them over and, and, and they're always looking for another opportunity. And mm. those people who are bouncing, you, you've probably seen resumes of people who've had, you know, three or four jobs a year 
and, yeah. and continue to do that for an extended period of time. I, those people kind of freak me out. And I think the biggest problem here is, and I read somewhere where they said that this, the generation, um, like the 20-year-olds now and, this, and, and younger, they mm-hmm. could have up to 30 to 50 jobs in a lifetime. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm reading this book, um, that's this guy wrote, I think, Brief History of the, of the World or something, the latest book, I can't think of the name of it, but it's a very interesting book and it talks about the fact that as technology improves, people's jobs will move. So you'll move from being um, completely different, like you could be a cleaner in a, in a shopping centre today and you could be running a, um, a, a highly sophisticated engineering task you know, in some sort of, um, you know, um, drone facility or something, right? And so what's going to happen is that you're going to have a situation where you're going to have someone going completely to a completely different job. And the biggest problem then is that they're going to move from one skilled job, let's say, or unskilled job to a skilled job with no buffer in between. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have a situation where where's the money come from? So the idea that in the book was that the government should actually pay people to learn and give them their wage while they retool because the biggest problem is going to be is these people are not are just going to become useless in society, homeless, useless, and and that's a big problem. Um, so at least when you, what you always to do in our businesses, we train the hell out of them because what would happen is often I would see a staff member leave, and I've got one staff member that started on the early days, and we spent a lot of time training her. She runs... 60, 70 staff. She actually runs more staff than I ever did, right? And you look at that and you go, wow, she started, and she used to cry at work. Like she used to, she was young and, and the littlest thing had set her off. And she was living out of a car, I found out later. And it's like, you know, we took her from that point and we trained her because we could see that she had talent, she had ability. Right. We trained her and trained her for her to leave and get a better job. So sometimes, even if you actually just, it's, it's almost like they're going through your business. But right. you get you get to train them really fast, get them up to skill, get their money's worth out of them, and then if they move on, great. Look at look what I've done. <laughs> you know, you've, you've actually trained someone up to actually be better, and I think that's not a bad thing. I I took, uh, completely agree. I've trained employees that um, you realize once you trained them, they were enjoying themselves, but they had that training and 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 that nurturing kind of brought about a, an ambition within them. And if they had an ambition and, and, and brought something to me and they thought, well, you know, I'm thinking about this because I've had countless employees um, talk to me about wanting to do something else. And it, I would never want to stifle someone's dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're training an employee and suddenly they can see themselves moving, you know, above and beyond what you train them for. It's actually interesting because when, when I was running the software business, we had a reseller and we had a situation where the staff member that was working for us was driving us nuts. Like he was just totally useless to us. Like it was like, I'm going to fire this guy. And and at the same time, I'm talking to one of these resellers who's talking about a staff member driving him nuts. And I asked a few questions. I thought, let's swap employees. So we actually swapped employees. And both employees just blossomed. Wow! Unbelievable! Like it was almost like they were both in the wrong jobs, yet they were doing they were doing the software. One was supporting, 
you know, resellers and, and customers in a, in a software environment, like a, a main software supplier environment, the other was a reseller actually servicing the customer and helping them out. And these guys' skill sets weren't suitable for that. And by switching them, they both stayed oh, they for a long, long time. Yeah, so. well, that's, I've never heard that. That's incredible. Yeah, and the fact that it worked was surprised the hell out of me. Right? So I'm thinking, because <laughs> I, I, my, my motivation was, well, we can bring the other guy on probation, right? And so we can get this guy, make it sound good. We'll get rid of him nice and soft and he won't be upset with us. So it'll be nice. Like we re right. reposition him, set him free. And if we don't like this guy, we'll always just get rid of him, right? It's, it's on probation. We'll get... And so that was kind of the methodology we went in for. So we never actually expected it to work that well, but it actually worked damn busters. That guy worked, I think, for nine years for us. And that other staff member, I think, I don't know, last I heard he was still working for him, and that's 15 years ago. Wow. So it was quite an interesting thing. And, and um, yeah, so sometimes you, your best employees come from your from your um, inner circle of those the, of the people who come work for you. And and sometimes, you know, you've got to make sure, like, in that situation, we didn't steal each other's staff, which was good. Um, well, I mean, the other guy yeah, come to us. Mutually agreed upon. Because he did want to. <laughs> so it's quite an interesting. Because yeah. he had one guy, only one guy working for him. So that's the whole biggest problem is that that very first employee, I think is the hardest hire you ever do. Um, yes. And it's the hardest fire you'll ever do if you get it wrong. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So um, what's, your, what's your ultimate goal your, is to get in a corporate um, environment? Um, and, and how long you reckon it's going to take you to get to, like, what, what are you looking at in terms of, do you look at doubling your revenues in the next 12 months or is it a case of, of increasing by a certain number of clients? What's your sort of metric? Um, we're looking at uh, increasing, um, doubling every year, mm -hmm. um, over year over year uh, for the next five years. And then at that point, I'll assess where we are and what I want to do at that point. Um, by then I'll have a son probably just out of college. If, if everything goes right, he'll be starting college in 2022. So that will dictate a lot of, you know, I, I, I would like to be a digital nomad nice. <laughs> so that I'm not, yeah. I'm, yeah. So that I can, I can move around, you know, that's interesting, once, once... you know, because, um, my son's 21 and he's worked, he left school and he's worked for me nearly three years now. And that's a legacy business. Um, yeah. And so it's very interesting that, and it's. It, I think it's something that's lost in a lot of people is that they don't think about their business being a legacy. They, they either think I'm gonna, most people get rid of businesses, either sell it at the worst possible time because they're sick, unwell, or just won't have enough of it, or right. they're going broke, um, and they sell it, or they don't pass it on. And to me, it was like I had to see whether you know he'll necessarily stick at the job. He'll he'll because sometimes it's like it, it's all very well to push your own beliefs on someone, but if they don't like it and they don't want to do it, then you know within a couple of years of you actually exiting the business, they're going to just tank it. Right? Like that's the end of it. And the second generation yeah. can be really good, and the second generation can be really bad. Like you yeah, can, you see a lot of that. Yeah, that's why that. Especially um, in nephew did that. He he took over his father's business. And that business went, like his father was just a small delivery business. And he went national with that thing over in oh, wow. generation. So to me, that's, but he taught him and he obviously knew that, he, you know, ultimately that he could take the business on. It would be good, yeah, to have someone who actually wants to do that and then sees the vision that the company 
mm. uh, can head towards. Mm. And that would be great. But yeah, for me, um, support him and in, in, in everything he wants to do. Um, but yeah, to, to, to live out that bucket life list, you know, travel and see the world and, uh, I, I don't beforehand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. You, when when you've had enough relatives who you, you realize that they 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 didn't live the life they wanted to. There, there's nothing sadder than you know coming to the realization that I there's so many things I didn't get to do. I'd rather look back and go, wow, that was awesome. It's quite interesting actually because I, I did an interview with a guy on another podcast of Volpreneur, and he um he's a a, a life sort of coach um, and and sort of uh, fitness coach. And he and he pulled this book out, and one of the things of the book was what what people say on their deathbed, right? Yeah. And and no one ever says on their deathbed, "I wish I had spent more time at work," right? <laughs> it's like it's not like they're going to say. But one of the biggest ones was allowed yourself to be happy more. Yeah, and and, and I an think that one. I think that's where people are missing it. You know, I mean, people are. I don't know how society got to this point where it's all about the rat race and how much you can accumulate. Mm. Um. But too often, I, I think we miss, you know, the small things, you know, I, I, if I decide to follow my son uh, just to hang out, um, maybe. Um, but again, to continue taking those trips, I, I realized uh, when he was small that, you know, my, my parents weren't big on vacations. So, you know, when, when he was three, uh, we decided to take him to Disney World for his fourth birthday. So we actually, we flew in, he was three, got there, he turned four and and, and made sure that he had the big Buzz Lightyear cake and and, and the balloons and, and all of that and, and, and continue to try and just do small things that um, I think as a family bring us closer together. And when you think back on them, you just have fond memories. Um, and again, just, just those things that you go, you look back and you know, I've, I've had family that you brought up the book on the deathbed mm. that look back and, and sincerely wish they'd done more with their life. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that the old story is you you seriously overestimate what you can do in a year, but you underestimate what you can do in 10 years, <laughs> you know, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and who knows in the next 10 years where we will both yeah, exactly be. Right. <laughs> And I think it's yeah. important to um, to understand that you know it, I think the world has changed. Like this whole concept of of buy, working a nine to five job and and that's the the solution. I think one of the things that this pandemic has sort of brought out is that it is possible to do it work at home where we used to work before industrialization. Um, yeah. It's possible to do things that you didn't think was possible at home. And I think that that to me is a great shift in in mindset to allow people to think. Well, hang on a minute, I can pivot. Because to me, with startup, like I get a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I don't want to be in the show because I've been in business for five years. I'm not a startup. I said, but generally speaking, when you pivot or you start restarting things quite a lot. So if you've got a startup mentality and you understand how to start something fast, that's a lot better than, than saying, well, because some people have been in business for 10 years, but they've only really been in business for a year. They just did the same thing over and again every year, right? They never learned anything new. They're just basically just repeating that that Groundhog Day scenario. And so, yeah. I think, you know, having that be able to start something, particularly in this environment where suddenly, you know, retail and, and even tourism is completely tanked, um, you've got to look at that and think, well, how do I change that without scaring the hell out of my employees and having them leave because they think there's no future in it? 
Yeah, and and that's some of the things we're trying to address. And I think, you know, one of the things that Gallup poll um, just did an almost two hundred page study. Some of it is is uh, you know what. It's, it's an aha moment, but then a lot of it is, is, is incredibly obvious. I think for the last 10 years, you've heard people talk about work-life work balance. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of, you know, frog leap over over a few other issues. Um, people want to lower their stress levels. So you, I, I think the travel industry, when things are finally back to normal, is, is, is going to is going to be one of the biggest industries uh, we've seen in quite some time. Yeah. Um, You'll come back the, stronger and harder and very different, I think. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I, I think people, you know, are going to start traveling to places that they they've never thought of, and and, and companies that are positioned for that are, are, are going to have their best years ever. Um, the other thing is alleviating stress. I, I think you know we talked about retail, but spas and some other things. If, if, if you've got a product that can help people alleviate their stress, whether it's life coaching, whether it's a spa, whether it's travel, whatever it is, that's going to be another thing because it, in, in the Gallup poll, it, it, it puts that, I think it, it jumped to employees rating, you know, their stress levels, you know, at, at almost 80%. And that's up from 60 some odd percent. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's going to be another key uh, thing that, if you're in that industry, you're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, get into if, it. If, if you've <laughs> yeah. got the, you keep saying of, pivot, but if you're capable of pivoting, mm. you're going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. I think if you keep your eyes open, I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of very highly skilled people, like in your situation, like, you know, you're taking skills you've gotten and turning into a business. I think there's a lot of potential there for those really well people to actually make a bigger impact than, than in their own, in a, as an employee ultimately. So, so yeah. really appreciate your time um, and, and talking about this. I think it's quite a, a, a very important subject um, and it's something that I think people, as you say, you know, they, you know, they don't probably think it out well enough in terms of hiring people and, and, and firing people and who to fire. So I think it's a very a big subject right now. Um, I really appreciate your time. So if someone wants to get hold of you and have a conversation, what's the best way to do that? Uh, they can go on to holisticcoachingsolutions.com. Mm-hmm. They can find me on all the social media uh, outlets, uh, either under Roderick Mason or under Holistic Coaching Solutions. So I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Clubhouse. All Fair enough. <laughs> Clubhouse is an interesting platform. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So we'll put up the links and everything on, on our site as well. So that, you know, if you can't remember it, you need to click on the links. So again, I really appreciate you coming along and, um, and thanks for the convo. I sincerely thank you for having me. It's been great. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippernors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.